0: Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 43, titled The Many Ways to Save. This should be a fun episode to bring you guys. Hope you're all enjoying your summer and getting out and enjoying the great outdoors. One thing I love about summer is an awesome opportunity to go hiking, go swimming, just enjoy being outside. The The warmth is awesome. We live in Utah, so the winters are cold, so it makes us really appreciate the summers which have beautiful, nice weather. So I wanted to start today by sharing a listener question from Andrew and then it which actually ties into our topic today today i'm going to talk about lots of different ways to save i'm going to talk about the 401k the 457 the 403b the roth ira the traditional ira the sep the solo 401k the tsp and the hsa now if you're confused by all those acronyms it's okay i'm going to walk you through in a simple way what each of them means and how it might apply to you in your life so First off, first things first, question from Andrew. Hi, Matt. I'm all caught up on your show. Thanks again for making it so simple to understand. I'm in the process of moving mutual funds from T. Rowe Price and Janice Henderson to Vanguard due to the high expense ratios at the firms. I'm looking into Vanguard's total stock market index fund, VTSAX, and international, VTIAX, as well as adding more to the small cap VSIAX that I currently have. But now I'm confronted with the dilemma of do I want... The mutual funds or the ETF counterparts? I can't find a whole lot of difference on the web other than ETFs can be traded throughout the day where mutual funds are just at the end of the day. You can't auto pay into an ETF and you have to purchase a whole share of ETFs rather than just a partial and minimum enrollment cost as with the mutual funds. ETFs are also somehow more tax efficient, which I quite don't quite understand. Anyway, if you have covered this in a previous podcast that I can listen to, or if you have any additional knowledge. Anyway, I emailed Andrew back and gave him some thoughts on that, but I want to dive into that topic just a little bit. So remember, we've talked about in the past what a mutual fund is. We'll specifically talk about index funds. It's pretend like you have a bucket and you fill the bucket is the mutual fund or the index fund, and then you put things inside of that bucket, which are your investments. So the index funds I invest in have different company stocks inside of the bucket or the index fund. Now, an ETF is very similar to a mutual fund or an index fund, it's just crafted a little bit differently and built a little differently. It has very low costs, much like an index fund does. So the expense ratios for, for example, he mentioned VTSAX, that's a total market index fund that Vanguard has they have an ETF counterpart that's called VTI. So one is a mutual fund, one is an ETF. They have the exact same holdings of the total market index, those 3,700 US companies in them. So they have the exact same holdings, they're just one is in a mutual fund and one is in an ETF, which stands for exchange traded fund. The expense ratios are very similar to both. They're very low cost, very much identical. So you probably would not choose one over the other based on cost. Oftentimes, it boils down to what you prefer. For example, like Andrew mentioned in his email, ETFs, you can trade like a stock throughout the day. So if at 10.59 a.m. you want to trade your ETF, you can do that in real time. A mutual fund settles at the end of the day. So if you trade your mutual fund at 10.59, it will not settle until the end of the business day, which I believe is 4 p.m. Eastern time and that whatever the fund is worth at that time is what you will get. An ETF, you can do more in real time. That To me, that's more of an advantage for mutual funds because I don't want most people in there tinkering and trying to time the market and sell their ETFs throughout the day. Another advantage to exchange-traded funds is they are more tax efficient. So if you have a taxable brokerage account, this will apply to you. If you invest only in a 401k, or an IRA or other such vehicles uh, this will have no impact because those are tax deferred vehicles so it does not apply however if you have a taxable account it in many cases it might be a slight improvement but in many cases it might be better to go with the exchange-traded fund version instead of the index fund version and the reason is that ETFs are more tax-efficient what happens is when a mutual fund makes money or a person sells their shares they the mutual fund company has to basically uh, cash those shares out and give that seller their money. This can produce a what's called a capital gain in the mutual fund now at the at different times of the year, the mutual fund owners have to pay for those capital gains taxes so you'll for example if there's Gains on a mutual fund throughout a year, the owners of that fund will pay taxes on that improvement throughout the year. With an ETF, they are structured differently, so you don't have that same problem. So, if you're in a taxable account, you might want to do the ETF. So, basically, what happens with an ETF is it's just able to. I'm just going to read a little paragraph to you that explains it well. For starters, Most ETFs are like index funds and have very little turnover. So I'm going to pause right there. Turnover means there's not buying and selling by mutual fund managers inside the fund. And thus amass far fewer capital gains than any actively managed mutual fund would. But they're also more tax efficient than index mutual funds thanks to the magic of how new ETF shares are created and redeemed. When a mutual fund investor asks for her money back, the mutual fund must sell securities to raise cash to meet the redemption. But when an individual investor wants to sell an ETF, he simply sells it to another investor like a stock. No capital gains transaction for the ETF. So basically, you won't be charged capital gains taxes on that ETF until, for example, if you hold an ETF and you bought it for $1,000 and you hold it for five years and it's worth $10,000, when you sell it, you will have a $9,000 gain. You will have a an increase in profit of $9,000. So you will pay capital gains tax on that $9,000. Capital gains tax is a lower rate than income tax. So usually it's around 15%-ish for most people. So you'll still pay. That's why it's probably best most of the time to invest in a 401k or an IRA because you don't have to worry about that. But if you fill those buckets up and want to do more investing, investing in a brokerage account is what I'm talking about. And you will pay capital gains when you take that money out. But That's just part of investing it's part of the process so i didn't mean to get too far into the weeds and there are more things to discuss there but i don't want to go there just to keep it simple if you're investing in a taxable account typically what you want to do is go with the etf version however if you choose to go with an index fund index funds don't have any turnover really they don't buy and sell throughout the year there's very little of that and so they don't have too much capital gain process going on throughout the year either so the taxes will be pretty minimal in those, just a little better in the ETF version. So uh, I want to explain a little bit. Remember, I am not a financial advisor. This is not advice. It's just me giving you some opinions and some ideas of a hobbyist financial guy. So I want to talk about these different savings vehicles. Sometimes people hear these acronyms, they get very confused, don't know what they mean. I want to give you a short basic understanding of what these different vehicles are so that you know if you want to invest in one. So, I'm going to start with the 401k. A 401k plan is a tax advantaged defined contribution retirement account offered by many employers to their employees. It is named after a section of the U.S. Internal Revenue Code. Workers can make contributions to their 401k accounts through automatic payroll withholding, and their employers can match some of those contributions. The investment earnings. And a traditional 401k plan are not taxed until the employee withdraws that money, typically after retirement. So with a 401k, you can get your money without being charged penalties at 59 and a half. And at that point, you can take it out without any penalties, but you will pay income tax, whatever your tax rate is on the money that you pull out. If you pull it out before that, you will pay the tax and you will also pay a 10% penalty. So... The government is incentivizing you to hold on to that money until retirement age. That's what it is for. You can take loans out from a 401k, but I would advise you, ask you not to do that unless it's a dire, dire emergency. So oftentimes one of the reasons why 401k plans are so awesome is because the employer will offer a match, which is free money. That is something you should always take advantage of. Often you'll contribute 3%, your employer will give you 3%. Instead of 3%, you have 6%, which is fantastic. So check in if you work at a place that offers a 401k into that match and make sure you're getting that match. Also make sure that if possible, you're investing in index funds within your 401k if your company offers them so that you're not paying the high fee mutual funds. One other benefit to a 401k plan is it reduces your income taxes for the year that you make the contributions. So the contributions and the growth is not taxed until you take it out. If you do a Roth 401k, it doesn't quite work that way. The Roth that you contribute will be taxed first and then it will grow tax free. If there is a match, the match goes in the traditional way and you'll be taxed on that later. Hope that makes sense. The most you can contribute to a 401k is 19,500 per year or 50 and older at 26,000. Per year limit, so that is a four hundred and one k. I want to talk a little bit about a four hundred and three b. Very similar, similar to a four hundred and one k, but it's offered through tax exempt organizations such as nonprofits, churches, hospitals, and public education institutions. So this is often offered in the employment benefits package to help people want to work there. So one thing that they they're very very similar to 401ks they're just offered through different kind of organization often 403bs have pretty lousy offerings in them sadly and that is something that people need to advocate to change because many 403b plans do not have good options inside of them but the contribution limits and everything the matching process is all the same as a 401k so the next thing i want to discuss is the 457 Uh, Generally speaking, 457 plans are non-qualified tax-advantaged deferred compensation retirement plans offered by state governments, local governments, and some non-profit employees, employers. Eligible participants are able to make salary deferral contributions, depositing pre-tax money that is allowed to compound without being taken out, taxed, until it is withdrawn. So in that way, it's similar to a 401k plan. The one advantage that a 457 has, sometimes people could work at a place that offers both a 403B plant and a 457 plant, and you're eligible to contribute to both. That is a pretty much a jackpot for people. The cool thing about a 457 is it is under a different se- section of the IRS tax code, and so you can take it out without penalty before 59 and a half, which is different from the 403B and the 401K. So that is one really awesome perk to the 457. I think a lot of firefighters and other people, police officers and whatnot, have this offered because they often retire earlier and are able to live on that money and use that money before they hit that 59 and a half range. So, let's see. Next thing I wanna talk about is a Roth IRA. I've done a whole episode on this, so I will go over this quickly. But a Roth IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account, and Roth is a Senator who came up with this plan. And an IRA, Roth IRA account allows a person to set aside money that's after tax, they've already paid taxes on it, up to $6,000 a year or $7,000 if you're 50 or older. You can take out the money that you put into a Roth anytime without penalty or tax because you've already been taxed on it however if you want to take the growth out you have to wait until you're 59 and a half or older to take that out without any penalties so you're only eligible to do a Roth if you're single filing jointly up to 125 thousand adjusted gross income or if you're mar- married filing jointly 198 thousand you have to make that or under to be eligible for Roth. And then there's a few phase out amounts as you go up. I don't want to go into those, but that's when you can contribute to that. A traditional IRA is just like a Roth IRA, except for you get a tax benefit in the year that you contribute instead of it going in after you've been taxed. So so a traditional IRA is, again, it's an individual retirement account allowed to individuals to direct pre-tax income towards investments that can grow tax deferred so eventually with a traditional IRA you will have to take the money out and you will have to pay taxes on that so and there is something called a required minimum distribution that once you hit 72 you have to start taking a percentage of your 401k or your traditional IRA out each year the government wants their tax money eventually. So they have rules around that. However, like I said before, with a 401k, traditional IRA, all these plans, if there's capital gains and appreciation in the fund, you're not taxed on that. So you don't have to worry about any of that while you're in your accumulation years. Now, the next one I wanna talk about is a SEP IRA. It stands for Simplified Employee Pension. It's an individual retirement account that an employer or self-employed individual can establish. SEP IRAs are used by small businesses and self-employed individuals to meet their retirement saving needs. So and then there's another one similar to that called a solo 401k where some of the contribution amounts are higher than a traditional 401k but I believe with that one it's only for employers with no full-time employees other than the business owner and their spouse. So If you're just working for yourself, a solo 401k, you can set that up through Fidelity or Vanguard or Schwab. And the contributions, I can't remember quite what they are, but I believe it might be higher than the traditional, but it's a good option. I've never been self-employed, so I've never used one of those, but it gives self-employed people an opportunity to save for the future. Now, the next one I want to talk about is called the Thrift Savings Plan. This is for government employees. And it's just like a 401k plan, but it has cheaper uh, funds within it, cheaper index funds. And it's simple. Uh, There's only five or six funds offered, and it's a wonderful retirement vehicle for government employees. I I believe it's for federal government employees. Now, the last one I want to talk about is the HSA called the Health Savings Account. This is only available to people who have a high deductible plan offered to them at work. And the reason why HSAs are so amazing is they are the only triple tax advantaged vehicle out there, which means you put money in pre-tax, it grows tax-free, and when you take it out, you are not taxed. It's the only vehicle such as that. As an individual, I believe you can put in $3,600 a year, and if you're married, I can't remember, but it's higher than that. And so I have one of these at work. I put in the max as an individual into that, and you can invest it into index funds typically. With my plan, I have to leave $2,000 of it in cash, and the rest can be in index funds and be invested in growing. Now, with the health savings account, you can use it for health-related expenses, including things like glasses, contact solution, I think, first aid supplies and whatnot, and also for trips to the doctor or medical bills. Typically, there will be a card attached to it that you can swipe that will take it right out of your account. Or you can also choose to pay out of pocket for your medical expenses and let this account accumulate and grow with compound growth over time and use it in the future, maybe during your retirement years or something. So the longer you can let it grow, the better, but obviously, if you need it to pay for medical expenses while you have it. That's what it's for. Again, you can't use it for other things. You can only use it for the medical. However, I believe once you reach 59 and a half, you can treat it like a traditional IRA where you take out the money for non-medical things, but you pay the income taxes on it like you would a traditional IRA. So there's really no downside to an NHSA. They are fantastic. Now, if you have a health, care plan at work an insurance plan that is amazing and it's not an HSA but they cover most of your costs on it certainly those can be much better than an HSA so don't choose an HSA just because of these benefits I'm sharing but it's becoming more popular and it's an awesome opportunity to save money lower your current tax bill and grow your money for the future. So those are a few retirement vehicles and savings vehicles I wanted to share with you guys today. Just to give you kind of a basic understanding, I realize what I said. A lot of it was off the top of my head. There might be a few of the little details that are inaccurate about things, but I think I got most of it right. And I wanted to remind everybody about the $100 Amazon gift card drawing. As soon as we get 50 reviews on the show, I will do a $100 Amazon gift card drawing for those who can prove to me that they have left a review on... Typically, I think Apple Podcast is the one where you can leave the reviews for the most part. So I'm looking forward to giving that to some lucky person who does that. So we just need to get up to 50 reviews. We're getting close. I think we're only five or six away from that. And then I will do it again once we hit the 100 review mark. You can follow the show on Instagram, simplemoney__simplelife. And you can also email me like Andrew did at simplemoney529 at gmail.com. And remember, the Simple Life is a good life.